Get deeper insights on the news from inside sources. Well, the war has been raging on in eastern Ukraine with fighting only growing more intense since the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion in the region last month. The long-running battle for the city of Bakhmut is at the center of this fighting, and the situation has progressed to the point where Russian forces are surrounding the city. Uh, They are losing an incredible number uh, of Russian soldiers as they still inch and creep their way forward. And so we wanted to go through uh, many of the the latest updates on what's happening in Ukraine and uh, look at it from a couple of different angles as we go into the weekend Uh, First, earlier this week, President Zelensky was interviewed by CNN's Wolf Blitzer about the situation in Bakhmut and why they're so dug in there, why that's so important to Ukraine, and also why Russia feels like they can't back down from the battle in Bakhmut either. Here was uh, President Zelensky's response when he was asked by Wolf Blitzer why his troops would not retreat and yield that city. We understand what Russia wants to achieve there. Russia needs at least some victory, a small victory, even by ruining everything in Bakhmut. It's not a victory for them. It's more like to mobilize their society in order to create this idea of they're such a powerful army. For us, it's such a different. This is tactical for us. We understand that after Bakhmut, they could go further. It will be an open road for the Russians after Bakhmut to other towns in Ukraine. So really important. A couple of things to, to be thinking about there. So one, President Zelensky is saying, yeah, it's possible that uh, Russia is going to take that city. He said, but it is going to be a Pyrrhic victory in some ways just because it will come at such a great cost to Russia. They've lost so many uh, soldiers. They've lost so many weapons uh, in the process. At the same time, President Zelensky is saying, we're not going to yield because of the path that this gives Russia and the momentum that it gives Russia, uh, even if it's just in the propaganda to their own people. And so he feels that he, they have to continue that fight and have to continue to dig in there. Zelensky gave his perspective uh, and an update on the situation in Bakhmut as Russian forces surround the city. He talked specifically about the civilians, some that have been evacuated and some that have chosen to hunker down and stay. No one should be surrounded, encircled. This is very important. But the military see for themselves that we have to stay strong there, despite the fact that the Russia ruined the whole city, annihilated uh, everything there. Troops were helping kids, uh, civilians to leave the town. Even um, up to today, people were leaving um, uh, Bakhmut. Now, we know it was uh, hearing Palooza week uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. this week. It seems like every committee on the Hill was having a hearing and testifying before the Senate earlier this week. National Intelligence Director Avril Haines gave her assessment of Putin's current strategy in Ukraine. She said this. Putin most likely calculates that time works in his favor and that prolonging the war, including with potential pauses in the fighting, may be his best remaining pathway to eventually securing Russia's strategic interests in Ukraine, even if it takes years. Now, that's a that's a pretty chilling statement in my view, because I think it is really what Vladimir Putin has left, and that is to drag this out as long as possible. Uh, both in hopes that he might get some support from China in terms of weapons or other support, lethal aid, as it has been categorized, and also hoping that maybe the West will lose interest, that the support of the U.S. will wane, 
that the ability for Ukraine to get the weapons that they need to defend uh, or to move on to the offensive in some of these areas uh, will be limited. And that's that's an important thing. Uh, time is definitely on Vladimir Putin's side because he has more uh, soldiers that he can throw at the problem. Uh, and we know the, the casualties are, are piling up in significant numbers. Uh, but I think he's hoping that he can wait some of these things out, even some of these pauses uh, can be helpful to Vladimir Putin, which I think is why you hear the urgency from Ukrainian President Zelensky saying, we, we need it and we, we need it now. We, we can't wait. This is our moment, our opportunity uh, to really move things forward. Now, I want to shift to one of the other areas of the war that we have been covering from the beginning, and that is uh, really these uh, war crimes, crimes against humanity that have been conducted by by Vladimir Putin, his generals uh, and soldiers. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Uh, interesting. 60 Minutes did a report on the Ukrainian men and women taken as Russian prisoners of war, the abuses that they went through, uh, executions, beating, attacks of all kinds. Uh, this was a 60 Minutes report. Uh, and here's one woman describing uh, the moment when she was captured. Suddenly, in our interview, she was back hiding in the rear of a truck that ran into a Russian patrol. She turned to a fellow soldier. Please tell me that we did not get captured. And he's looking at me, not knowing what to say. I see fear in his eyes. I realize that he can't tell me that we didn't get captured because we did get captured. So chilling. And as you uh, look at all of the evidence that has been mounting uh, around those war crimes, uh, it's also led to a really interesting discussion and one that uh, is incredibly complicated. Uh, but I want to give you just that the high level. Uh, of course, we we have all of this information that has been gathered, all of this evidence of war crimes and crimes against humanity that has been done by Russian forces. Uh, where does that go? Uh, who gets that? And how does the U.S. interact with that? Uh, the Pentagon has actually been blocking the Biden administration from sharing evidence about these war crimes with the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Uh, this is uh, intelligence gathered by American intelligence agencies about the Russian atrocities. Uh, and it appears that the Defense Department uh, does not want... Uh, that to happen for fear that in the future that will be used against the United States. And it has created a really interesting uh, set of conversations inside of the administration where you have the Department of Justice, uh, you have the uh, State Department saying we should cooperate, we should give this uh, this intelligence over, and uh, the Defense Department saying, no, we, we don't want to do that, and there's a whole host of reasons why. Uh, President Biden has not made a decision on what to do. It's a complicated one, uh, but it's one we've got to get to the bottom at uh, because we do need to make sure that there is accountability 
for those crimes against humanity. It's not acceptable under any shape or form. And what we do with that, I think, will speak volumes in terms of our commitment to humanity as a country. And so we're going to dig into that. There's a great report in the New York Times digging into that, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we get into next week, just a a little bit as well. We also know that over the course of the last few days uh, that Russia has fired hypersonic missiles into Ukraine. Uh, These are the uh, Kinzhal or the Dagger missiles uh, from Russia. Uh, it's an air-launched ballistic missile. It's capable of it is capable of carrying nuclear or conventional warheads. Uh, and again, this is another kind of next-generation weapon uh, that Vladimir Putin uh, is capable of using. And again, will that change the dynamics and the momentum of the conflict in the war? Uh, and so, all of this uh, to say, as we continue to watch this play out, I, I think this is a case once again where. The United States accelerating and allies accelerating what they're delivering to President Zelensky in Ukraine. Uh, time is of the essence. I think there are opportunities uh, to have momentum for Ukraine. And the longer things wait, I think the more likely that uh, Russia is able to get help from other places, including Iran and China, uh, that could ultimately tilt uh, the conflict in their favor. All right, we're going to step aside for some bottom-of-the-hour news. Of course, President Biden uh, unleashed and unveiled his uh, uh, package for the budget yesterday. We'll continue to break that down. We'll go back to a conversation with Brian Riedel about some of the specifics, what they actually mean for you, what they'll mean for jobs, the economy, and the future of the country. We'll be right back.